Hello, world. It's been quite some time since episode one, but we are here. This is it. Finally, episode two of the Yadawis podcast features Mark Smithovis. He is a parent of a a student that I had last year. Great guy. Uh, We always love talking about education and, uh, you know, the system and seeing where we are in the system and and working for for uh, better ways to to perhaps develop this uh, this this culture really of learning and and where it is today in the 21st century. Um, so it's it's nice to have that parent uh, teacher connection. And um, I, I hope you guys enjoy. This is uh, about our theories of how Target and <laughs> education should merge merge together somehow. Um, you know, but it's uh, it was a blast. So, without further ado, please welcome Mark Smithovis. <coughs> Bless you. Okay. All right. Oh, in one long take, or you like stop start? Uh, we could stop and start. Okay. But yeah, this is it's all kind of just one long take. One jump into the unknown. <laughs> That's how I like to live life, Mark. No. But yeah, this is it. Thank you so much for coming. This is um, a real big treat because it's it's the next episode, episode two, and it's our first YouTube video, um, hopefully the first of many. And I, I you know, it's, it's always a pleasure to have um, people that I find interesting on the podcast and this I never thought that this would actually happen but to actually have a parent uh you know of one of my my former students to be to be on and to maybe talk shop you know talk about learning talk about education and all the wonderful things that that you're doing um so ladies and gentlemen this is Mark Smithvis so hello world <laughs> yeah internet world you know Episode two, that's where it's at. Yeah. We actually kind of sound the same, too. <laughs> oh. Uh, a, a good friend told me when I told him that I was starting a podcast yeah. that I need to work on my radio voice. You're right. <laughs> I was like, what, what do you mean? I think I sound okay. Yeah. But he's like, no, you got to be, you got to talk fast. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like filling that dead space, right? I think yeah. that's what it is. You always have to have something to to say, which is very challenging because I'm like uh, I'm really big on uh, not talking a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know some you know some people, radio people, and mm-hmm. when you hear them on the radio, and then when you talk to them in real life, you know they're like uh, we're talking really slow. Yeah. But then when they're on the radio, they're like talking like this, and yeah. Now next up. Hmm. And it's weird too because you want to have, especially with podcasting, or at least for mine, I really enjoy like the free talk, the you know the um, it, it kind of unplanned, unscripted uh, interaction. But at the same time, it's like it's it's also inauthentic in a way, not inauthentic, but certainly contrived because we are aware that there are people listening to our conversation. So it's kind of like a weird fishbowl experience. Um, so you are aware that there are listeners and, you know, you, you have to be conscious of the things that you say, um, to a degree, but 
it's also kind of like really invigorating and exciting because your your insight is focused and your you know your your adrenaline is kind of pumping at the same time knowing that there is an audience or that there are potential um you know people who may respond to this in a certain way or be affected by it a certain way so um it really is uh you know a very unique and different experience something that i i somehow always wanted to do but never realized the 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 complexity and the preparation that really takes place in in creating a podcast because you really have to conceptualize you really have to think about you know the an outline in a way um of the conversation or of what you want to talk about so it kind of opens up different realms of of creativity and thinking in a certain way yeah yeah and i the things as I listen to on the air, you know, it's so amazing the amount of production that goes into those things, mm. like a lot of those morning Eric and Kathy yeah. on the mix, or even stuff like Howard Stern, mm -hmm. you know, it, it sounds so natural and free-flowing, but they, they have to really work at it, and there's people behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, writers, you know, um, producers, it's... it's And it, it the cool thing about those types of shows, though, they somehow organically became what they were especially howard stern i mean like talk about you know one of the the pioneers in kind of the podcasting format he just he's he was very authentic and i think that's what was so attractive about him um also was very controversial you know um but i remember i think i told you before my dad would always listen to howard stern mm -hmm. You know, and, and as a kid, when he picked me up from from places, I would like listen to Howard Stern also. And so, you know, I was even at an early age, I, I didn't realize how much I was exposed to that particular genre, really. And it was really through my dad because he wanted to, you know, he 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 was an immigrant from the Philippines. And so he wanted to uh, get acclimated and assimilated into you know the the language, the American culture, and so what better way, I guess, than, yeah. than Howard Stern? You know, I find now that uh, <clears throat> as a rideshare driver, yeah. I often now feel uncomfortable if I don't have some background noise going, even if it's just my favorite. I usually have it on the AM talk radio or news channel. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, like, but it's, it's too quiet and there's somebody sitting in the back and usually they're on their phone or something. Mm -hmm. But I sort of need that chatter to, to have a certain rhythm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's why I like going to, to Starbucks and like coffee houses when I read mm -hmm. for some reason, or even like, especially when I write. Like when I write, I need to be in a place where there's a lot of activity and a lot of, you know, um, like you said, kind of noise in the background, um, some ambient uh you know, it, it, maybe it makes it more visceral. Maybe something about it is just, you know, we we like to be around activity. We like to be around people. And maybe it's, oh, awesome. Hmm. <laughs> um, and maybe that helps with the whole creativity process, mm -hmm. you know. I think I read somewhere <laughs> there's, a, there's a website or something that where you can actually get coffee house background noise. <laughs> <laughs> That's bizarre. Even when we go to sleep, too. You ever hear those like white noise? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something that lulls us to sleep. You don't even have to leave your house anymore. Just yeah. <laughs> 
Put your uh... Alexa, play some background. <laughs> yeah, play me, the, play me the Starbucks background noise, please. Yeah, play me the 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 set of names that no one knows how to pronounce correctly. Mm. Noise. <laughs> yeah, Starbucks is fun, but oh, man, I I think I'm, I'm hooked. Like I'll there's this one right in Rogers Park. And like it's it's interesting how different Starbucks creates different effects for you. Like there are certain Starbucks where you don't want to you don't want to go in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems like a dungeon in there. Um, but you know there are certain layouts that have like the right lighting and the right amount of you know people and the right music. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think I went to the Starbucks and legit there was like some EDM playing. I'm like, why? Why? Why would this Starbucks do that? It 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 seems as though you know, like they they get their own personality based on I guess the environment that they're mm-hmm. in. Um, but uh, yeah, you know what place I really like going to is Target. Yeah, <laughs> like Target yeah. has figured out, and I think it's in, it's intentional. <clears throat> But when you, whenever I go into a Target, like I feel good about myself. You know, it's like I want to shop. Like, oh, that's on sale. Oh, <laughs> and then you know now that they've expanded to grocery. Yeah. But there's something about the lighting. It's it's always it's bright mm-hmm. and it's chipper. Yeah. Like if you're depressed, you go to Target. Yeah. Yeah. And you just you know walk around, and then you can you know buy the thing that's on sale. Uh huh. And there's some noise in that. It, I don't think they play, you know, EDM or stuff. Yeah, but I I bet there's somebody who works for Target who thinks about <laughs> what it sounds like. Sure, with the cashiers and the self checkout and yeah. You know. Whenever have you seen that movie? I think it's called Career Opportunity, and it's when a dude and a girl get stuck in a Target, mm-hmm. and he's he's well, she gets stuck in a Target. Target closes, and he's like the 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 late night you know, maintenance worker and he's got to take care of everything, but they end up like falling in love Mm. in Target. It's, it's a very silly movie made, I think in like the 1980s, early nineties. But whenever I think of Target, I think of that because we always love that idea of being locked up in, Uh you know, a store and the, the, the amount of like post-apocalyptic ideas that you could think of, you know, being part of that. But, um, well, one yeah. time I, I I thought it would be <clears throat> awesome to be, you know, locked up in a Target for like you know twenty four <laughs> hours, where you know a you could have you know if you're hungry or whatever you just go to the aisle and just pick whatever you want. Yeah. But like maybe you set up like this podcasting setup and you broadcast from Target. <laughs> <laughs> you know. We should totally do that. Yeah. But like yeah, if, if you try this, like if you go to like Kmart uh-huh. or Walmart. A totally different vibe. Like every time I go to a yeah. Walmart, it's depressing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it, and it doesn't mean some. It's the color scheme, or it's it's not as bright. The 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 workers there just seem, you know. Yeah, yeah. Even even the customers too. It's like they're dreading to be there, but they have to because it's, you know, it's it's Walmart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you like this the smell of. Uh, you know, weird popcorn and hot dog, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> as you're looking for a Duck Dynasty hoodie. Yeah, it's it's strange. But yeah, Walmart is strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially knowing that guns and 
yeah. any type of firearms can be sold there is is a weird idea too. Yeah. But now American consumerism. Mm. <laughs> well, here's a weird segue for you. Um think about how this translates. We're talking about, you know, the environment at, at stores. Mm-hmm. And trans transfer over that to schools. Oh my god. How does it feel? I mean, like how how could this was probably the most controversial thing I'll say or tomorrow. <laughs> think of if, if schools could be made to feel like Target. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh I'm cool. I really want to be I can't ooh, look at that aisle. I wanna yeah. check this thing out. No, that's I mean that's the thing too. It's like how I mean the con- the concept of of having education that way is is a very novel idea. The fact that you could have you know knowledge and whatever kind of knowledge, the way that you want to customize knowledge, the the combination of knowledge, the things that you learn and the way that you want to learn it is 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 very far from customizable. I think. And you're absolutely right. Like not only the content, but the layout of a school can really affect someone's learning. Mm -hmm. You know, like the fact that Lane has a memorial garden in the middle of the school is an incredibly rare and beautiful thing. Like that, that's something that can, can really change your day, you know, just by passing through the memorial garden. As a teacher, you know, you clock in and you purposefully try and walk through that that space, and it's unfortunate that not everyone has access to it. But I mean, like, how many schools say that I have a garden <laughs> in the middle yeah. of my my building? I could be wrong, but I think um, <clears throat> Amanda told me that students are not allowed to walk through the garden. Students are. I think if you well, if you're a senior and you have a and you have a button, or if you're a teacher. Um, you can you can walk through it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I gotta so, get that button. <laughs> <laughs> you just see some senior scalping buttons on the yeah. sidewalk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I mean by it. It's not accessible to everyone. But I mean, it'd be nice. I think incoming freshmen during freshman connection get a chance to to eat in there. Um, and there's there's parties held there for uh for numerous occasions, but. I mean, it's it's just beautiful. But that understanding that that is a part of your building can can give you a profound appreciation for where you get your your schooling from. Um, and you know, the layout of a building can. I mean, the fact that you have places that are are segmented, you know, departmentally can kind of mess you up too though mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like one wing is math one wing is english one wing is language and it 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 just goes to like we were talking about how you know it just separates a lot of those those disciplines even more so and um maybe you know the curriculum can gravitate towards something that is more interdisciplinary with the layout of the building mm-hmm. you know is that even possible maybe um yeah, if only places were more like Target. <laughs> All the teachers are forced to wear red. <laughs> right. That's exactly. only on, uh, you know, the Union Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, CTU. Yeah, the Union sponsored by Target. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's um, I- ironic because we're recording this on the day when um, 
some parent friends of mine, I got a text, you know, can you can you come downtown this morning? Mm-hmm. There's a big <clears throat> protest about this SB1. Okay. Uh, for those in the audience, you know, SB1 is the bill passed by the state legislature mm-hmm. to authorize monies going to schools so that they can open, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and have monies. Um, Governor Rahner has vetoed it, um, mostly because he doesn't want extra money going to CPS. Mm-hmm. So now the bill is sort of in this limbo where like they either have to override his veto mm-hmm. or they just let the bill die or they create another bill. So it's it's causing chaos because, you know, not just in Chicago, but schools throughout the state yeah. aren't able to get the monies that they need. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a bunch of my parent friends are downtown right now, probably in front of, you know, the Thompson Center, um, having a press conference and protesting and... Mm-hmm. I kind of feel guilty, but but not really. <laughs> not being there. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's what I hope for this podcast too is to to open up those opportunities to have parents like you, um, you know, community leaders, CTU members, anyone, you know, anyone, even people, you know, part of CBS to come here or to you know, create a dialogue mm-hmm. about what's going on. Because there are, you know, so many people who support teachers. We understand that. There's a lot of people who support education. We all know that. But, I mean, how much do we really know about the the inner workings and the outer workings of what this system entails? And so I think it would be very beneficial to have a dialogue, you know, to talk about what are what are the problems and what are some of the the possible solutions that are feasible that aren't you know re- uh, requiring to to take down the system and to start over again it's to to work with kind of the existing structure that we have and find cost cutting solutions or ways that we could use our resources a bit more effectively i don't know you know um, but it starts with I think honest conversation, <clears throat> transparency, you know, authenticity, um, and I'm I'm not saying that this is the answer to all that, but it 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 could be a catalyst, mm-hmm. you know. Who knows? Um, I know, you know, ostensibly you're here to interview me, but not to flip flip it around a little bit. Um, I'm just curious. As we are now probably less than three weeks away from another God. school year beginning. No, and, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a as a teacher, like, what what are you? What's going through your mind right now? Like, are you starting to get into teacher mode or prep yeah. plan? <clears throat> I mean, you guys have to start a week before yeah. the kids return. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Definitely not. Well, see, that's hard because. I, I feel like I'm always in teacher mode in that I'm always thinking about school. I'm always thinking about education. And, you know, I I understand burnout. That exists. That's real for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but first we have to figure out why burnout exists, what's causing it, you know. Um, and we'll probably get to that later. But <laughs> for me, at least, I feel like I'm so interested in the process of learning and creating um, <clears throat> the whole process of, of, of education and curriculum development that I'm always thinking about it. I'm always thinking about it. And there are times where like, 
I'm really excited to implement these ideas. Coworkers and I have always talked about it over the summer of the, the new things that we can develop, you know, and I think that's such a great thing for teachers to have. It's, it's, you know, a lot of people are, are, are envious, like, oh, wow, okay, you have uh, Columbus Day off, you have these other holidays off, and, and you have the summer off, you know? And a lot of people don't realize that that summer, for the most part, for me at least, is used to just, like, reflect on the year and be like, not going to do that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, that lesson didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, like, rediscover yourself. Hopefully, that's what a lot of teachers are able to do so that when they do approach this school year, you know, there, there is something that they could implement that they're excited about. And so for me, whether I'm three weeks away or, you know, months away, I'm always like thinking about ideas, you Mm -hmm. know, thinking about ways to, to really try and engage and be a learner. I don't think I, I think the moment that I really, really enjoyed teaching which may have been like these last three years <laughs> was when I became a learner again. Mm-hmm. Like as you know, I've taught fr- freshmen for almost 11 years now. And it's like, you kind of get the same type of, of, uh, content. And sometimes there's no room to like learn and to, to grow as a, as a learner, as a person. And, um, because you're you're you know you're married to the specific type of of uh, of layout, and so you know you it, it kind of becomes tunnel vision after especially after like eleven years, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so when I became a learner again because I had to teach the seventh graders, it's like okay wait this is like a, an entirely different set of students. So there are things that I may need to look into. Maybe I could look into psychology. Um, oh wow, they they're very tech savvy. Maybe I need to look into these programs and know a little bit more there. And it's like these kids are are so unique. Every single class, every single seventh grade class that comes in, they're so unique and brilliant. And so you kind of have to like be ready for them, mm-hmm. not in the the traditional teacher preparation, but like the cultural preparation for them, you know. <clears throat> the, thing, the thing that I found is, is challenging again as a as a parent and at um, Amanda's previous school yeah. is you know you have all these great ideas and, and you think about them and you're like oh why don't we try this uh, but then once the school year starts there's no room there's no room to to, to how figure out how to insert it because oh well now we have standardized testing this week or yeah. I have to cover this material and, and move on. Um, you know, I've gone to teachers and like, oh, one year I had this idea of, uh, I approached the math teacher mm-hmm. and, um, I used to be really into fantasy baseball and I thought it, well, it was a terrific way to teach kids statistics and planning and strategy and all kinds of stuff. It's like, oh, why don't we implement a, a fantasy baseball league in class? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh yeah. I mean, this, the teacher was, he was really open to new ideas but then when the year came around and trying to implement it, I mean, it was just terrible, mm-hmm. you know? And so how do you create an opportunity to like pilot these kinds of <clears throat> things, try it out, see what works, you know, refine it, um, you know, before the school year starts? Yeah, that's, I mean, it. that's hard. 
that's hard to do. It should happen. Um, but you're right. Like once, once that's, once the teachers come in, there's like that week of uh teacher Institute day, all of a sudden we get a list of what needs to be done. And I understand that because obviously we're working within a budget. There are certain, there's many changes that happen at the beginning of the year. You're not given the same schedule, mm-hmm. you know, as you, yeah. Oh, like, <laughs> oh by the way, um, you yeah. know, these two uh, colleagues that you know and love, they were laid off. Yeah, they were laid off, press. and uh, now you're going to be teaching left. driver's ed. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's there's a lot of changes, uh, and so we we have to adapt to those changes, and all of a sudden you start like you start drifting away from like wait a second but i'm supposed to fit you know this this i cool idea that i had but i now you know like you said like the tests kind of get in the way or this is a a time period where you know we have to devote to this so no there's there's no time there's no time but again it goes back to why isn't there time is it possible to create more space for autonomous curriculum development could there be, you know, um, can there be an opportunity for teachers to really take hold of what they want to do and teach a curriculum that speaks to, you know, not only to the students, but to them, mm-hmm. um, you know, how much autonomy do we really have anymore? Right. Because of, of, of that, of performance-based teaching, you know, how much, you know, and we, these are questions that we have to ask ourselves. And I could only speak about this school because this is the only school I know. Mm-hmm. You know, every school is going to have their own culture and ways of doing things. Um, you know, especially co- the schools that are, you know, who are very disenfranchised and need to focus on uncertain, possibly uh, socioeconomic factors. Whereas you have affluent schools in the north side who who can focus on these problems <clears throat> well yeah and since you bring that up uh it was announced this week and i i want to blog about this more that you know walter payton was ranked the number one public school in the nation oh wow and number two was Northside college prep uh-oh and, you know whitney young was like <laughs> five now delaying you know lane made it it was number 10 Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I know that there are going to be parents out there, and people are going to like, okay, well, we're only ten. How, you know, how can we catch? You know, we got to be up there with Peyton and Whitney Young and yeah. you know, like College Prep. But you know, if if you unpack, like, well, first of all, how did they get these the, these rankings? You know, they looked at things like test scores, and you know, kids who are going to college and stuff like that. But that's all based upon these values that I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think are valid. <laughs> yeah. Plus, okay, those schools already, are, because they're selective enrollment, are already getting the top kids. And so, you know, your neighborhood high school is never going to be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I want to get at is, is why do we want to aspire to be up there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, why, and, why is ranking? Yeah. And I, I, if I find time, I actually want to send a, an email or letter to the principal and say, you know, congratulations, you, you made this list. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you're getting parents contacting you, you know, like, how do we boost our rankings? Yeah. But, but what I want to say is, you know, m- maybe we're 
you're playing the wrong game. Mm. Rather than trying to be like, you know, catch those other schools, why can't we be number one in a completely different field, mm-hmm. like the most creative school mm-hmm. or the most, you know, innovative or the one where the, the kids are developing, you know, the real 21st century skills? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too is, you know, Lane's a very interesting school because it you have a little bit of both, right? You have a very traditional school setup because, I mean, every there's you go from class to class. Every class is fifty minutes. That's a very traditional way. The bell rings or the bell beeps, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you go from class to class. And yet, we still have we're one of the the few Northside schools, probably one of the only ones that have a sound engineering studio who has a 3D, you know, 3D printers, who has, who, who really is kind of innovative in that sense, an aquaponics lab. Mm-hmm. You know, we have all those things and yet we still have kind of a traditional model, especially with the curriculum in a way. So it's like, you're right. Like what, how can we catapult ourselves into being all of that stuff? You know, using using a lot of innovation, not just in the facilities, but also the way that we approach um, learning. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and you're right. It's 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 like a. I think it comes down to values. It comes down to it comes down to to philosophical issues. I think we need to. I think personally, it it should be something that we need to look at philosophically. What is it we value? That's what axiology is, right? Axiology is is the study of of what is of value, and so that's I think something that we as as a community um, should look at. Are these values okay? Okay, let's move on, right? Or this doesn't really sit well with me because uh, of X, Y, and Z, right? And so it's important I think to to really to stop and look at our philosophical um, assumptions. Because a lot of the choices that we make should be grounded in those philosophical assumptions. Mm-hmm. You know what? What does knowledge? What does obtaining knowledge look like? Um, what does growth look like? Um, you know, what does it mean to be not just a, a contributing member of society, but also to be, you know, to work competitively um, and cooperatively? You know, how does that look like? And so you. You're right in the sense that you know what what are we doing? Are do our values align, and how many voices are a part of that discussion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was also <clears throat> brought to the fore this week because uh, it was also in the news that the, you know there's the mayor made this policy change, which now if you're to graduate from high school you have to demonstrate that you either have accepted to a college, mm-hmm. have a job, or a mili- going into the military. And, you know, basically you have to have a plan for after high school. And you're hearing some, you know, teachers, especially ones that teach in schools with a lot of, you know, kids of color or mm-hmm. low income, that, you know, it, it put, especially or undocumented kids, mm-hmm. it puts a lot of pressure on them but to your point about values, like that in itself is is a value. It's a, I would say, call it like this Judeo-Christian work ethic that like you have to have something. But if you think about you know learning and education, if it's always towards you know, some practical result, yeah, 
I mean, you know, who, who, why would anyone become a philosophy major, right? right. <laughs> what no. practical result do you get from that? Mm-hmm. What job? Right. Yeah, there's no... It, and that's the thing, too, is I think what makes it difficult is a lot of people value this, this education-to-career idea. And, you know, we've kind of sometimes drifted away from learning for learning's sake. You know, in the, re- the reason why the Renaissance is called the Renaissance is not just the rebirth of learning, but it was also like, what does it mean to be a learned individual? Like, how much art do we have? How much do the humanities play in our curriculum? You know, is it just science and is it just engineering? Well, yeah, it seems like that now because, I mean, you, t- you take a look at like MIT and a lot of these institutions, they have a high um, career acceptance rate, you know, for these, these schools. So yeah, I'm going to go through these, you know, through that type of pipeline. Because for a lot of people, education education is social mobility, you know, and that's that's very big. There, there's a really great documentary on Netflix called uh, Daughters of Destiny. You mentioned that. Yeah. 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 And I think I'm going to incorporate that in the curriculum. But for them, there's a, a school called, for those of us who don't know, Shanti Bhavan is a school created in, in southern India. And it caters to the lowest of the low, the untouchables, right? Because they still have those caste systems in those areas. And so you take the lowest of the low kids and you give them an opportunity in a school called Shanti Bhavan and the main objective is to uproot their families out of poverty so that they these kids can get an education get a college degree and so they can get their families out of that and that's priority number one and one of the most interesting lines from that is we're not here to educate kids we're we're here to get their families out of poverty. Like that's number mm. one. It would be interesting to, to <clears throat> contrast that with what's going on, you know, here in the states with yeah. like you know the charter school movement and mm-hmm. schools that have been created to address you know urban communities, you know, neighborhoods with poverty. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that is where there's a lot of disconnect. Is I think the people who founded those types of schools are like. Yeah. the founder of this school in India, which is the, the idea is to get these families who have been generations of mm-hmm. poverty out. And so that's why you hear so much of like, you know, you got to go to college. Yeah. You got to get a degree. Yeah. You know, but where the disconnect comes is, you know, when you have families who have more privilege, you start hearing things about things like, you know, learning and... You know, what type of learning is right. this? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and as, as beautiful and diverse as, as Lane Tech is, there's also a, a, a drawback with that diversity. And it's it's the fact that you have now, you know, a, a mixing, melting pot of different values. I want my kids to know the, the test material. All right. I want them to get good grades on you know, on their tests and or good scores on their tests and good grades so that they can go to a good college because they're the only people in the family who are, is going to college. So that's that right there is a value contrasted with someone who's like, well, I'm just not engaged enough or, you know, the, the school isn't providing enough arts or, you know, it's so it's like you have different values. It's like, what do you, how do you mitigate that? You know, and that disconnect 
I think is is reflected in the classroom because you'll have a kid. I mean, I have a lot of kids who are just, I want my test scores. I want to do well in NWEA. Like this is this is all that matters. I want to drill, 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 mm. and get to know these skills. And then you'll have another kid, like Amanda, who's just like, I want to create. I want to, I want to be innovative. I want to do mm. something different. I want to do something that you know. And the question is, is can you merge both? Can you create a curriculum or a classroom that caters to both types of values? Or maybe you create your own values in the classroom and somehow, you know, each different type of kid, you know, Amanda and then, you know, student B can really gain something from that. And I think that's where I am now is understanding that you'll have those different values that you have, you know, from different cultures. How do you mitigate that within the classroom and within the curriculum? That's a hard thing to do. It's a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think my feelings on that is <clears throat> you have that dilemma because, and to, you know, go back to where we started this whole conversation, the environment of school yeah. is such that you have, you, you know, because you've got to teach kids the same thing or they have to be doing the same things. Yeah. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out, like, how do you create, it's almost like, how do you create a charter school within a school mm -hmm. where you have this idea of choice? Sure. So maybe some kids, you know, they do the soccer academy, and then the other kids do this, and, you know, the kids that want that conventional school can get it. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's more choice and agency and, you know, this buzzword of the day, personalized learning. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, how do you create within the school day, even within one classroom? Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard to do. I mean, but again, it. I think it goes back to possibly... But, sorry, you... But, you know, and I see like, at Lane, like one of the things that they, they <clears throat> talk about as, as, a, as a plus is there's so many electives, right? Yeah. But what I'm finding already early on, the reality is you can't access those electives until you've gotten, you know, like you're a junior or senior and now yeah. you've fulfilled all your requirements. Yeah. Now you can take the electives. I want the kid to be able to take the electives from day one. Sure. Yeah. That's something I mentioned in, in the first podcast was that maybe the electives should be the core class. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, when we start, look at college, right? Um, that for the, for the first time when, you know, you start kids go to college, you get exposed to this, oh, you mean I can choose what I want to take? Mm -hmm. Oh, I can sign up for this, you know, esoteric French, <laughs> yeah, you know, thing class taught by some weird professor, mm -hmm. you know, and it feels like freedom to a lot of kids. That's the first time college is this freedom. And, you know, I feel like we should push that earlier on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's something that, I don't want to say it's, it's easy, but... It, it can be like when I say easy, like it's an easy way of modification in that if you get three and this is the example I think I mentioned earlier is that if you get, let's say, I don't know, three teachers. All right. Let's say that we have uh, a teacher who teaches art, uh, music, you know, and literature. All right. Or maybe even even science. And you could talk about maybe you, you create a curriculum uh, or an elective that you know, deals with how certain uh, books have a psychological effect, um, you know, how how these characters in this book 
uh, grow uh, biologically and you know how music plays a part in studying and reading it's like mm-hmm. you can you can it's it the possibilities are endless there and the great thing about that idea of interdisciplinary you know um curriculum making is that you have the experience of of so many insightful people working together to create something meaningful for kids mm-hmm. and that's that's a very i think uh profound way of approaching education because you're not taking away things you're kind of just packaging them differently right but i you know again and where we first connected about this this documentary most likely to succeed Mm -hmm. it touched upon this fact that you know at some point in time the educational system was created where it was these 50 minute blocks of you know subjects that didn't never you know were interdisciplinary mm-hmm. and that was almost like a political decision it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be that way mm-hmm. uh, but we are now stuck in this system where everyone takes that for granted mm-hmm. and it takes some sort of conscious leadership or something to say no we're not going to do things that way and i'm just not i'm pessimistic that that can be achieved in the public school system not because of you know bad teachers or the union or whatever like that. It's because we have these set of laws that mandate like, oh, you have to have so many instructional minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have gym class every day or something like that. And if you don't follow those rules, and you get sanctioned or you get your monies taken away. Um, these days, I've been spending a lot of time with the homeschooling crowd. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and homeschooled are people that have just rejected that system entirely. They're like it's a it's completely broken, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not going to have any part of it. Yeah. So that's my struggle. Is you know, I, I I'm not there yet to to take my kids out of school and be be homeschooling, mm-hmm. but I want that sort of ethos and that kind of feeling to be exist within what the school that they have now. And, and how do you get there? Yeah, because you'll have all these great ideas, you know, um, but it, it's nothing if it's not supported with through policy. And educational policy is, uh, God, it's so complex, mm-hmm. you know. And you're right; like you, you need the backing of of leaders, you know, uh, to 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 move forward. You know, one thing that Karen Lewis said at a CTU meeting was never do anything by yourself. You know, it's hard to do. It's almost impossible to start something by yourself. And so that's another question is, is buy-in, you know, who's going to buy into these, these, these all brain thinking ideas, you know, who's going, who's going to do that? Who's going to support us? Um, yeah, it, it, it's very difficult to do something on your own and to, to not have the support of, of, people in in prominent positions to help you out. Mm-hmm. That's that's a hard thing. I've always wondered <clears throat> why CTU doesn't itself launch its own charter school, mm. staff it with like the very best teachers it can find and t- totally do this innovative model. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I w- I would love to I would love to hear from from people in the CTU and talk about that maybe that's episode three who knows but you're right like you know as as 
a powerful entity as CTU is, it's like, what, what can we do? You know, what, what other things can we do? What does it mean to, you know, to, to really focus on this part of, of the, the process of the, the educational process? What, how much influence do you have in, in that area? And so, um, yeah, I'd like to know, I'd like to know because they're, they are a powerful entity and, mm-hmm. um, it'd be great if, if they could have a role in that. Maybe, yeah. um, you can invite Jesse Sharkey to be your guest. I would love that. I actually, uh, that. no uh, Facebook friends with his wife. So yeah, that could be arranged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. Are you, um, you know, active with CTU at all or like, kind of, I mean, I'd, I, I, like I'd, I'd like Elaine, to be, isn't there, the, who's the union rep? You, we have, we have a lot of union reps. Okay. Um, and they're always changing. <laughs> I, I recall uh, during like the last teacher strike or something. Yeah. I think there's a teacher at Lane who quit the CTU. There's a yeah. I mean, there, there, there's teachers who are are always going in and out um, for various reasons. Uh-huh. Um, and so, I mean, as as a CTU member, I'd like to be more informed, and that's that's really my part too. Like, I take responsibility for the amount of information I know and don't know. Um, so it really is up to me to be informed. Um, would I like to get more involved this year? Possibly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to know more. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd like to know more, but I don't. I don't know a lot. Again, it's like time, right? Yeah. That's all stuff you have to do off the clock. Right. It's like you want to be, okay, Monaco, you're talking about like all these innovative ways but i'm sorry like i have to get through unit one (laughs) like there's no time for that Um, and it's true because there's none again sort of like turn the mirror back on you i'm really curious about what is the lane teacher community like Mm -hmm. i mean a yeah there's what like 100 plus teachers yeah right I mean, do you guys hang out? Are you, you know, do you have like a social club? Do you get together and say, "Oh, let's I've got this project and how do we get this up and running?" Or, "Hey, you know what? I'm launching this podcasting club." Yeah. And I need your help to recruit students. Like, is there a mechanism other than the official like committees and mandatory meetings? Or do you all just kind of do your own thing and you just say hi, wave to each other in the hall? Yeah, I don't think no. There's to, to answer your question. No, there's nothing really formal um, as far as like an organization like that goes. Um, but I will tell you, Mark, I am part of the social committee. Oh, and, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of just plans out itself. Really, we're just going to go to this bar and kind of get together. Um, but I mean, no. There's there's no, and it would be nice to to have an organization that, you know, where ideas can really come into fruition, um, in a supportive way, but it's, it's so, it seems to be very informal the way that people try and and integrate and collaborate. Um, you think that's just because you have no time? Yeah. Oh, it always goes back to that. Yeah. We don't have time, especially like you'll, you know, the, the common thing for English teachers, I have to grade, I have X amount of papers to do, you know, um, and so it, it's like, 
it always comes down to time. But again, it goes back to my question is why? <laughs> what is keeping us so busy? Are those things necessary? Do we need well, to have that? Well, since you bring that up, <clears throat> I've always, <laughs> you're not the only English teacher that I've posed this question to because another Facebook friend who's an English teacher up in uh, Racine, Wisconsin, and you just always posts like, oh, yeah, I've got all these papers to grade, yeah. and, you know, all this time. I'm like, well, why grade the papers then? <laughs> why are you grading the papers? <laughs> just give it a B already. Or I don't know. I mean, I. Like, maybe it's totally unreasonable, but what about peer-to-peer critique? Sure. Like, why don't you have the kids read each other's papers and then give feedback? And, mm-hmm. You know, because to me, that's a massive time sink, right? If you're going to assign X number of papers to each student to write, mm-hmm. and then now you've got like 25, 35 papers to read through and read you know, with your red line strikeout and blah, yeah. blah, blah. I mean, who has time for that? Yeah. Well, what National Board teaches us is that you know, you're supposed to only give two comments per paper. Okay. Right? So you'll have, like, you know, some markings, but, you know, work on punctuation and then work on sentence structure. That's it. Because realistically, kids will look at that and be like, oh, okay, that's doable. But if they see a paper that's inundated with, you know, however many markings, they'll be like, you know. And it's, I think that editing and peer editing process is undervalued for them at least. Um, I don't know how many, I'm sure there are teachers who implement the, the editing process, but you know, even in college, especially when I was in college, there was no editing process. There was sitting down, getting this paper done and sending that bad boy in, you know, minutes before class. Well, yeah. And I mean, (laughs) the, the whole thing about like, you know, creativity, inspiring, like a love of writing and stuff to me, all of that thinking when I was growing up. And I see it done today and mm-hmm. every day. It's going to happen in the future. The assignment is, okay, you need to write a five-page essay, uh, you know, double-spaced. Yeah. And, you know, and then you start playing these games, right? You start adjusting the margins of yeah. the header, the footer, oh, yeah. and, you know, how do I fill? I need to fill up some things. And I, I always feel like, why don't you give an assignment where you're like, okay, I want you to write about this. Mm-hmm. And the, the length is whenever you feel that you've said something yeah. of me. And it, it could be one page, it could be five pages. Mm-hmm. So that way, you know, kids aren't playing these games of, I need to fill five pages of crap. Yeah. Because that, to me, that promotes bad writing, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we live in an age now where you have to be concise. Like, you have to be able to tweet something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't know. I just think, it, but going back to the, teacher efficiency like i i don't know and this also applies to math teachers who assign worksheet after worksheet Mm. and then a lot of times i find out they don't actually even grade them they just kind of look them over Mm -hmm. oh did the kid make an effort yeah so i'm like so you mean my kid like put you know sweat and tears because they couldn't figure out problem number seven (laughs) and then you don't even really check it Mm -hmm. or you check it and you say oh you got that answer wrong but you know they the kid did an innovative way of thinking about the problem. Yeah. So it's like, well, why don't you stop assigning worksheets? A, that would free up so much more of your time to do more innovative things. Mm-hmm. Like, let's have a discussion about pie, not the fruit pie. Yeah. But the ratio, the math ratio. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, you know, kids are going to be like, yeah. The history of why? it, why it's an important, you know, um, fraction, basically, yeah. an irrational number, and how it shows up in art and science. And the reason I bring this up is because, again, this math teacher, you know, their former school, 
had a competition <laughs> to see how many digits the kids can memorize pi to. Ah. And I was like, what? The, what? That doesn't make, who cares? <laughs> it's an irrational number, right? Yeah. You know, but there was no discussion about why it's an important irrational number. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, look at <clears throat> kind of the way even, like you said, the layout of, of certain classrooms or certain, you know, uh, school buildings, it's kind of designed for that that segmented, um, you know, prepackaged approach, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Like, I hope I'd like to know the teachers, and I'm sure there's there are teachers who I want to have on here because they do things that are that are out of the box, that are um, kind of unorthodox in a way, and you see it work because the students really get something out of it and they they enjoy the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of teachers, especially the ones who who kind of have more of, you know, replicative activities, I I hope at some point they they say that this this may not work. <laughs> like I need to like put the brakes and be like, yeah, this isn't working for me anymore or it's not working for them or me, you know? And that, like I said, I think that kind of took a while for me to, to register because I was in that, that pattern of like, this is how it has to be done. This is kind of the only way. And this is the most efficient way because I'm stacked with work, you know? And, it took me a while to be like, there's, there's got to be another way to do this. And that's hard for, I think, a lot of teachers, especially in the system who've been there for, for quite some time. You know? yeah. um, but it is possible. It is possible. Well, my fear is that you know, if, if you're the only one teacher at Lane thinking this way and trying to you know, be innovative and challenge the system, like you said, as Karen Lewis said, it's hard to do things by yourself, mm-hmm. which is why I'm wondering if there is some sort of nascent group at lane that's thinking along the same lines so that maybe you can approach the principal as a group and say hey you know we want to do this or you know i brought this up before is this um omega track or whatever it is where it's like "Ooh, it sounds like an alternative track i need to explore this more but who is is pushing that who is you know trying to get that up and running and then connecting those folks together, and yeah. then you add with the, the the parents like myself who are also interested. Then I think you've got something. Mm-hmm. If it's just you like working on your own, as you know, who knows what might happen to you down sure. the road? Yeah, I, and I mean, again, there there really isn't any formal avenues, but it's informal, and there are teachers. Uh, and I think I think I, I am seeing that. I am seeing a lot of a lot of teachers. Um, talk about what they're doing in the class, and I'm like, wow, that's really cool, you know. And uh, I don't know if that's unique to Lane Tech, or or maybe you do see that in Peyton or North Northside. Maybe I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. No, um, <laughs> you're not going to be a number one or number two school in the country by doing innovative stuff like that. You yeah. Toe the line, and yeah, you know. So I think I'd like to think that Lane is getting there. That slowly but surely, and you know, maybe maybe CPS as a whole will eventually get there. We don't know, mm. we don't know. But um, the fact that we have we have access to information up the wazoo, you know, um, 
I mean, there's there's bound to be a point where where this paradigm is just gonna kind of topple over and be like, okay, th- let's let's rework this as a whole. I'd like to think I have optimism for that, and I see that in you know the 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 approaches that a lot of my coworkers have, especially in in LTAC. I mean, there are 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 a handful and a good number of teachers who are, who are fascinating and who not only approach um, kind of their their method of teaching differently, but also just like the content, things that I've never seen before and things that really are inspiring. And so it's there. Um, I don't know how much it'll manifest itself this year or next year, but I don't want the budget. I don't want the whatever restrictions to keep these people from from being artists. And that's what we have to look at as ourselves as teachers. We have mm-hmm. to look at ourselves as artists. You know, but it just I think it's <clears throat> surfacing that so that, you know, again, I as a parent, I'd like to know who those who those teachers <laughs> yeah. so that maybe, hey, hey, Amanda, you should sure that person's class. Yeah. But but even separate from that, I, I think somehow you guys have to mobilize because again, then you can You're go right. to the principal and push back when you know I mean he's under and, and I you know I like him. I think he's you know he's in a very difficult role mm-hmm. in that, you know, the, the parent meetings that he's come to, you can tell he's like, you know, well, this is kind of how I really feel, but I have to officially tell you this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, any administrator is in that position where it's like, I mean, especially running a school that big, it's like you you have to be very managerial. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of that that position. But as on our end, you're absolutely right. Like there there does need to be some type of, of organization and mobility so that that you can get these these innovative teachers and ideas to move forward for sure. Well, and I think that's I mean <clears throat> the time that I spent, you know, in the in the corporate world, mm-hmm. I've come to believe that, you know, so the, the principal is essentially like, you know, the the manager. Yeah. And really great leaders are able to run interference between you guys, what you do, and central office. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they can say, oh, yeah, we're really doing gym all day. <laughs> but then you're, you're like, ah, you, know, you know, we'll go count this this way. Or, yeah, they told you to do this, but, you know, that's fine. I'll write this memo and yeah. explain it away. And I, I'm not sure if, you know, I'm not clear yet whether he is that type of person mm-hmm. or if he's just a, you know, here's a memo, you have to do this. Right. Or I have to do this. Yeah. I mean there there are glimpses where I've seen uh seen seen that devotion to to uh to innovative ideas. I've seen that. Um you know, mm-hmm. I do not I d I don't know though. I don't know. I think I need to know more. I'd like to see more, um, not just on on their end, but for from our end too, mm-hmm. as educators. And even like I we talked about this too, like having parents be involved somehow and i think what you're doing is such a great thing the fact that you're involved in uh i believe the young artists uh pop-up project project. yeah Yeah. um i'd like to hear more about that because that's something that's i know it's tangential to uh to to school it's it's an outside activity um but it's something that's i think gonna be fantastic for people like amanda and for for kids um who are who want to go that route what is it about that particular program 
that um, perhaps we could maybe even look at and incorporate in in CPS somehow? Well, interestingly, I, I think Lane, because I, I saw something at the end of the year where Lane has its own art show, mm-hmm. and students are able to submit, and Amanda actually mentioned to me, he's like, oh, yeah, I might want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's, 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 it's this whole, like, trying to remove as many constraints as possible. So this art show, I mean, we came up with a theme. It's, you know, world through my eyes. Mm-hmm. And then we asked, you know, any kid who wants to submit to this show can do so. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't had as many kids apply as we had hoped, largely because we just haven't had the marketing and outreach budget and resources. But again, it's like, you know, we, we don't want to, it's not an assignment. We're not going to grade you. We're not going to, you know, spell out, you have to have this, it has to be eight, half my 11, you have to print it this way. And, you know, but the I think it's the whole process, right? Like how many mm-hmm. times do kids get a chance? Like, oh, you know, I have to develop some, I have to come up with an idea. No one's, I'm not being told or spoon fed. But then also what I'm finding now on the back end is there's a certain, process for prepping for a show and i'm in discussions with the with the other co my other co-conspirator about well if all the kids can't be present for the install should we postpone it Mm -hmm. and this is whole new to me i just thought like oh don't we just submit the thing and then you put it up on the walls yeah no no it's it's the getting together and doing the hang tags and writing your description and stuff so you know the, the the experience of that I think is also valuable, mm-hmm. regardless of what they put up on the the walls. That's very true. Um, but I think it's it's also very empowering as a, a you know, a, a kid, but also as an adult. If you've ever been invited to exhibit, wow, that's a great you know. People are seeing my stuff, and I'm putting myself out there, and mm-hmm. you get this validation. Yeah, you know, and, and that's that's what I loved about that video. Um, how high tech high in San Diego did did that? Um, you know, you don't really get grades, but you you put something together mm-hmm. as a community. You know, especially um, what'll happen. What was really outstanding for me was that you had you saw not only the the growth of the actual project, but the growth of the individuals and how they kind of came into their roles as leaders, as mm-hmm. you know, as designers, as um, as project team leaders it's 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 fascinating to see that dynamic because sir, at the center piece of that is trying to get something done together you know trying to work mm-hmm. towards a specific goal and to to have them publish their work and have it appreciated by you know their families and friends that creates a very in a way uh, a spiritual outcome, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's a beautiful thing because it's not just okay that this is I'm gonna I'm gonna hand this in for for grade sake. I'm gonna do this because it 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 goes along the continuity of my experience, you know, and the experience of other people. When they look at this, they're like, "Wow, this this validates the fact that I sent my kid to the right school because mm-hmm. there's something proud in in them. Uh, there's pride in their in their work, and there's you know, it, it's hard work too. There's a lot of failure that's possible in a system like that. But, but I think the outcome is very, mm-hmm. very profound. Like you said, I, I didn't know after I met you that um, you do the theater shows. Yeah, I, I just do the, the all the behind the scenes production stuff, posters, money, and all that. Okay, and all the you, boring stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, making money is important. Um, 
<laughs> Are you planning on doing that again this year? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. There's, mm. you know, there's there's the podcast. There's these things that I that I want to pursue and and have a little bit more time for. Uh, instruct helping instruct jujitsu like these are these are activities that that I'm heavily involved in and I don't know if if being a producer is going is going to get in the way of that I don't know no. I bring that up because in my limited experience um, being in a theatrical show is one of the most powerful and emotionally rewarding. Uh, projects mm-hmm. for, for what you just brought up, even more than just like an art show, because you're working together as a, as a cat. You become like this mini family, yeah, right. And all your emotions and things. And before I was married and had kids, I worked in theater, like mm. you know, off, off, off loop. Mm-hmm. I ran the soundboard and stuff, and you know, actors by their definition are emotional people. Yeah, <laughs> but like I always love to see you know in a show that I just attend. Um, like the last show where like the, the everyone brings the flowers and the families in the audience and there's tears and it's like, you know, we're now all going our separate ways, but for these six weeks or eight weeks, whatever it is, you know, we made this thing together. Mm-hmm. And if I can't think of a better metaphor for if, if, if that's what education could be, yeah. it's like a theatrical show, mm-hmm. uh, which incorporates, you know, all the disciplines Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you're doing a historical show or something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, those are like unforgettable moments, and and how can we make like everything we do in education like that? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That that that's a really good analogy because, you know, I think we need some type of of thing that binds us together. The the interesting thing about LTAC is that what binds them together is the fact that they're LTAC kids, mm-hmm. you know, but even that's very temporary because they'll leave, you know, eighth grade and then go to another high school. So it's like, how do you create that particular community or that, that, you know, we're all in the trenches together. We all mm-hmm. suffer. There's a camaraderie there. How do you, how do you instill that or create that in, in a classroom or in a curriculum? Like mm-hmm. that's because it's a very profound thing. That's that, yeah. that's what, you know, we kind of work through these problems together. Um, how can you make that uh, a cornerstone in in education? Are you going to that um, camp, that YMCA? Camp? Oh, the Camp Duncan one. Yeah, yeah. So, I, as an as an aside, <laughs> so I found out Amanda's friend who got into LTAC. Um, he is not going to Camp Duncan. Uh oh, um, because his family is traveling and yeah. they're going to be away. But when I found out, I was like, "Oh, really? I, I mean, that's. I thought that's you know when you all the kids can meet each other yeah. and then you get to start knowing each other." And so I feel bad for this kid because he's like, "Well, then he's not going to have that yeah. initial bonding until he arrives at school, and then all the other kids." I don't know, but do you think that's a big loss for him? Not. I don't think so because every kid. I mean, even with the first day of school, everyone's awkward. So it's like Camp Duncan certainly helps. I mean, you could you could forge a, a really good relationship with with someone there. Um, it definitely gets you out of your comfort zone. Uh, for those of us who don't know, Camp Duncan is a is kind of the orientation for incoming seventh graders into our program. And so by being a part of it, you know, you you do team building activities, uh, icebreakers, and so it's a really good way to, to get to know one another and yet even on the first day of school 
everyone is awkward. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a, it's, it's a new setting. It's like, oh my God, we're in this big building with, you know, 4,000 plus people. It's, you're kind of starting from scratch again. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it's, it's funny. It's a good time. Yeah. It's a, it's a good bonding experience for teachers too. Because <laughs> they're like, hey, mosquitoes. Do you have bug spray? Do you have a suntan lotion? Yeah. Let's talk about your day. Yeah. So it's a nice way to reconnect. But um, man, maybe we need we need more of that stuff. More like nature, you know, camp. Imagine if all the teachers at Lane went to some type of like camp orientation retreat where <laughs> we spent like four days just you know, talking about the core of, of what we're doing. Well, I'm wondering, is, is that possible? Like, can you send like an all no alcohol email though. <laughs> and just say, hey, you know, looking forward to yeah. school starting now. But you want to, you know, anyone want to get together before Labor Day or over Labor Day? I mean, is that even possible? Can you send an email? Oh, you mean like just socially or like something like? Like, do you guys like have an all internal teacher email yeah. thing? Mm-hmm. But no one sends a like, hey, you know, anyone want to get together before the school year starts just to talk about what you did this, this summer or just. Oh, I see. Um, no, there's the nothing like that. Never like a, a welcome back potluck or just. Kind of. I mean, sometimes they'll, they'll throw in something like that. But I mean, I'm, I, I would like to have something a little bit more intense uh-huh. and something more um, personal, you know, that that really would force us to focus on these philosophical issues and have kind of a, an, an opportunity to really like hash those things out. I think that'd be great. Mm. Um, but no, there's nothing really like that. And again, it goes back to teacher buy-in because the moment that, someone reads that they'd be like uh no thanks or let's just get together at you know the our our watering hole and Mm -hmm. and just talk um which is not bad either but there's nothing really kind of formal with that yeah well that's Um, i mean one thing i I want to try and do as much as i can as a parent is to try and bridge those connections or Mm -hmm. make those connections and say oh you know do you know mr yadow like you and he should talk or you know what you're doing here is reminds me of what he's doing and I don't know. Yeah. I'd like that. I'd like that. I mean, that's, and it's, it's, it's and I have to say it is kind of sad that there's no <laughs> mechanism to no. encourage that internally. Like I have as a parent have to do that. Like I feel like either the administration should be doing stuff like that or encouraging, you know, finding ways or times. Yeah. There's not even like some unused room <laughs> there that like, Hey, this is the collaboration room. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be cool to have a collaboration room. Um, yeah, that'd be nice. But there's no time, Mark. There's no time. Time is the, <laughs> en- time is the enemy. And speaking of time, how are we doing with time? We're at, okay, so we're at 11.42. I think this has been close to an hour. Okay. It's up to you if you want to keep going or continue this at some other episode date. But... Um, I mean, it's, it's it's your podcast. I, <laughs> I I have found that I think it is. It, it tends to be longer than the average podcast. So it's yeah. something you have to figure out as you go. Um, mm-hmm. I was having this discussion with some other podcast person, and 
you know, I think there's a reason why a lot of podcasts don't go longer than 20 minutes. Yeah. Because there's almost a psychological thing. If, if you see a podcast that's an hour, you have to like, okay, do I have an hour? Yeah. And am I going to invest this much time if you don't know? Right. If you don't know, yeah. Yeah. But where if it's like, you know, okay, 10, 20 minutes, I can listen. I can have it on the background while I'm, you know, yeah. making dinner or something. I'm willing to invest in that. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, these long form things, I mean, obviously, if you're this American life, then you're like, okay, I'm going to set aside time. Sure. You know, because you yeah. know that's like really high quality. But so yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's a way to, to do it in like part one, part two, or possibly. Yeah. It. It's, it's, it's fun though, because it's like, I don't. I don't know how this is going to look like, you know, five months down the road. I have no idea. It's it's like one episode after the other, and it'll. I know it'll take the form that that it'll take, but um, just just the mere fact that you are here, uh, I think, is a very uh, serendipitous thing. You know, it, it's something that normally doesn't happen, and when things normally don't happen. It it excites me, you know, and um, I will say that as we wrap this up, I, I want to thank you for just being a very supportive father because I see a lot of wonderful things in Amanda, and as a student, you know, it's very difficult to 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 be expressive or to even you know, have those opportunities for, for expression. And I see Amanda always thinking, always having these, these wonderful ideas and, and being a creative spirit. And I think that is kind of a testament to, to how you've brought her up to be very open and to be very insightful and profound in, in the things that she thinks about. And, um, I was very, very lucky to have her as a student. It, it definitely deepened my appreciation for teaching, for sure. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. That that means a lot to me. Um, I guess my work is done. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, well, you know, it's only 13, I think. Yeah. You know, the teen years, mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm still trying to convince her to be a guest. Maybe she'll be episode three yeah <laughs> I don't know, it's like, that's too weird <laughs> he's my teacher yeah but we gotta help we gotta advertise her uh her artwork right isn't she yeah. setting up like a paypal oh, well, well I, I will show you she's got her own threadless store now no kidding yeah okay so you can order like her design on a hoodie or a handbag or whatever can we plug that let's plug that right now let's plug hers and then your podcast too because you, uh, you got a podcast going yeah, you know what? I don't even have a site up yet, so I don't even have a URL to give you. Um, for Amanda, it is it's levdoodles.threadless.com. Okay. But let me double check that. Keep um, in mind, Amanda, that 20% of your proceeds need to go to me. Oh, okay. Since I'm, no. <laughs> yeah, levdoodles, L-E-V, like in victory, doodles.threadless.com. There's only... There's only two designs up right now but okay. um yeah all right well it was a pleasure having you on thank all you right. so much for for coming all the way out here um ladies and gentlemen this is mark smith of uh please look out for uh his uh the young artist project pop-up yap uh it debuts august 21st uh what other information do we need to know about this exhibit well like I said, we may actually postpone it to okay. October. Um, but um, 
I don't know. Whenever you post this, I'll give you the the details okay. and the link. Yeah. Uh, but it, I think it's an ongoing effort to to promote, you know, kids who like have their own self directed passion project. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a wonderful thing that you're doing, man. And I'm I'm really I'm really happy that I know you. You're you're a good dude, and it's always a pleasure talking to you. So thank you very much, Mark. All right. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>